All right, what's up, freaks? Welcome back to the Progcast, presented by the Prog Space. I'm your host, Randy Salo from Freaks, and with me, as always, is Dario from the Prog Space. So this is a special episode because it's not a real episode. This is sort of an in-between bonus because we have the luck of having two fine gentlemen in the virtual studio here, all the way from Australia, Ryan Felton, Michael Cruitt from Chaos Divine. What's up, fellas? Hey, very well. Hey, good thanks. Just, just getting into just, our evening. Just, just casually uh, <laughs> chatting across borders. <laughs> Monday nighting it up. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's hectic. <laughs> so, so guys, let's start with a simple question, which is a loaded question. What have you been up to since the release 2015's Gliding Skies? What's been going on? Well, we've played gigs for about two and a half years and then decided it's probably time to do something other than the 10 songs we've been doing for the last two <laughs> years. So, yeah, yeah, we decided getting into writing and and that took a while and, and now we're sort of sticking to the recording and we're, we're, sort of, we're sort of up to now. We thought we'd release something for everybody. It's been sort of three years now since then. So I think. That's what yeah, it's about like three. About, uh, just almost four, actually. Yeah. And how far along in the recording are you then? Um, you, you sound like you're not quite done. No, I'm just putting all the final stuff on. So final bits of vocals, final little, you know, layers and things that you do. You know, it's never quite done. So, um, But uh, luckily we had a good head start with some of the songs more so than others. And, you know, we kind of knew which ones we wanted to push first. And that's obviously one of the ones that we've put out recently. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Maybe for our listeners who have never heard about you guys, maybe you can tell them a little bit uh, about the history of the band and uh, how you would describe your music to someone uh, and mm. who's never listened to you <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, um, so we've we've been together for over actually over 10 years now. So started, first release was in 2006, I think it's, I think we started gigging in 2005 um, and uh, yeah, so we've done obviously a few albums since then, um, played a few tours, come over to Europe a few times as some, some people that might be listening might have seen us before but um, hoping to get back and uh, yeah, I mean I guess our sound, um, probably hard to put, put a finger on exactly, you know, one band that we're exactly like but but, you know, to name probably a few, you know, we've kind of got some resemblance to, you know, Devon Townsend a little bit, um, a little bit of Opeth, probably a little bit of uh, early soil work and some of the probably earlier, heavier stuff we were doing. Um, probably these days we're a bit more melodic than we used to be. So, um, yeah, probably more on the Devon kind of side, you know, just big hooky kind of songs. That's, re that's really kind of what we're all about, not – not making it too complicated and overly complicated for the sake of it. So we, we just try and uh, write songs that, that we think sound hooky and sound good and have uh, get a people give people a reason to, to come and see us live. Yeah, cool. Uh, that was actually already like partly my second question answered about the progression or evolution of the band uh, through those uh, three full-length albums you put out. I mean, if you listen to Avalon now, it's fairly different to um, 
uh, colliding skies in terms of uh, brutality, I would say, <laughs> and all that stuff. But yeah. but you can still hear both albums are from the same band. So the, yeah. this this uh, progression, like away from the more brutal side, was was it uh, a conscious decision or did it just happen with with your natural sort of, evolution? Yeah, you sort of grow as a musician. And you sort of get out of high school where you want to just <laughs> thrash and solo and, <laughs> and and stuff like that. And you go, oh, maybe I should write a song of some sort that has some substance to it. Not to say that they don't in the past, but <laughs> it's more like you just kind of refine what you've got. So you just kind of build on that and you kind of get different influences and you start to listen to a wider range of stuff, whether it be like jazz or rock or blues or anything um and you just kind of just start to just shove it all together and you end up with especially in prog like you've got no real rules yeah so you just kind of shove bits here and bits there and kind of create sort of these big sort of sort of story records that are still kind of you know still kind of individual songs but there's sort of a, a big theme that kind of rolls through with sort of what the vibe is with each member of each at the point of when the records comes out so it's kind of a bit more a bit more fun I reckon overall. Cool. And maybe we can like bring it back to the 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 new single now. Unspoken is yeah. out for uh, a little less than a week now, um, I believe. And um, I just noticed uh, visually from uh, from from the video itself, the video has taken on a less sort of violent quality as to the videos from Colliding Skies. But even like mm. the vocal performance is maybe even more aggressive than parts mm. parts of that album, and I just wondered about the progression. I mean, not that that can tell us the whole what the whole album's going to be like, but can you speak to to that at all? This visual change plus this yeah. musical evolution. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we when we did the video for the song, um, we actually worked with an animator that put it together, and we actually didn't give him a lot of direction to be honest we sort of we knew we wanted something a little bit abstract maybe a bit different from um most music videos because you know let's be honest there's a, a ton of music videos coming out now where it's just the band playing to a, a bunch of you know lights going off in the background and that's cool but um fire. we just wanted yeah fire, <laughs> yeah. fire, fire blasts yeah our power, um, uh, pyrotechnics budget is too low yeah. so <laughs> enough explosions um, and yeah, so we, we, we told him, we just kind of want something that suits the, A, suits the kind of the song, um, lyrically, but doesn't necessarily need to fit into a typical metal looking, um, video clip. And so I think he did a really good job of just kind of keeping it sort of subtle, um, sort of different. It's kind of a bit weird at first. You're not quite sure, you know, where, what you're actually looking at. And it isn't, it doesn't do a whole lot. Um, but there's some subtle stuff in there that makes it sort of really kind of, I don't know, it kind of it gives this like weird ambience and a bit of a contrast to the music, which which is kind of kind of neat uh, in a way. So, um, yeah, and I think this, this the song itself, you know, it's definitely got some heavy moments. Um, we have actually sort of stepped things in a slightly heavier direction for this album, um, but we feel there's a pretty good mix of like you know what we're doing, what we're already doing with the with the last kind of couple of albums, but then just sort of yeah moving moving things into a bit of a different new territory and doing things yeah slightly heavier in parts and just keeping it a bit dynamic so that's a good sort of uh almost test for the album you know with that with that track you know it's got a got a bit of everything 
Yeah, you teased this this little little video on Instagram a while back. This hectic outro or whatever this was, where it was like yeah. all hell breaking loose, and it felt like the the BPM was a bit higher than maybe some yeah. of the, some of the stuff from the more mid paced stuff from the last album. So I already could tell like there was some heavy thrashy <laughs> stuff coming uh, for the new yeah. album. We're no stranger to a good riff. <laughs> it's just sort of like testing limitations of ourselves. <laughs> it's like, how fast can you play on the drums, Tim? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> you got new drama, we might as well test them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and for the video, um, I wanted to say, as a, as a video maker myself, I, I really appreciate a, a good animated video that's not a lyric video. Because yeah. oftentimes the, the lyric videos feel like they are just like, uh, yeah, they are a delivery mechanism for sharing lyrics and having music on. And I appreciate when they sort of stand on their own. And yeah, and so I really liked, uh, I liked, I liked the style too. It for me, it, it it even can kind of market you towards fans who may not have otherwise heard you by having yeah. a broader video style. That then they can say, oh, you know, that I didn't know that I was into the heavy stuff, but uh, you know, yeah, this kind yeah. of brings people in. Yeah, I think that, and that's what I kind of was saying before. It's like you don't you don't really realize what you're getting yourself into when you start watching a video clip. It doesn't sort of immediately become evident that it's going to be kind of such a, a full on track. I mean, the, the, the start's got a bit of riffage, but yeah, it gets pretty heavy in in some of the middle sections. So. Yeah, I think it's a nice contrast um, with the visuals. Yeah, so so do you have any 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 timeline on when you want to 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 drop the album, or or you just go along, finish it, and then set a date? Um, well, I want to drop it like tomorrow because I'm sick of recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's still got a little bit to go, to be honest. Like there's. There's just things that we kind of want to make sure we get right. And, you know, we've got another, we've got plans to do another single probably before we actually release the album. So we'll probably try and build ourselves up a little bit more this time than just, you know, releasing the album for the sake of releasing it. So um, we obviously want to keep keep the momentum going. So, yeah, we'll probably do, do another single. But, you know, hopefully kind of, you know, back half of the year, sort of October-ish maybe, it might be something getting pretty close. So, um Okay. But there's a few things that have to kind of line up and, you know. Yeah, so it sort of started, the, like the release cycle has started. It's like the singles, first single's out and then you've got kind of a something to build on now. So we'll put out, obviously, what you said, a second single, do some shows or something, and then just really hit the album hard once you've got that sort of drive. We yeah. sort of slowed down for a year um, before this release or before the end of the <clears throat> start of this year. So, yeah, it's just really started trying to pick it back up and, and get moving again, which is cool, but we've got a, a good vehicle for that at the same time. Um, so yeah, it'll be a, an interesting year. And you're working with a distributor, uh, Firestarter, who you've been with for a couple of albums, right? Um, yeah, we've been using them since we started. Um, I've known Adam, the, the, the kind of the, the main, I guess, instigator of that, and him and his wife run, run that company just from home. Um, and they do a really good job. Um, you know, I guess it's it's easy to kind of want to, oh, you know, we have to get a label and we have to be on a label to, to make an album and make it properly. But I don't know, it kind of comes back to the point where it's like you, you kind of just want people that are on your side working 
working for you and doing the right things and giving you the opportunities to talk to the right people. And so I think short of having a label, they've been really, really helpful in um, just making sure what we're doing is being seen and being accessed by absolutely everyone it can be. Um, I think for us going forward, we've probably got a bit more work to do in like just PR, like just making sure people are getting connected with us. But, um, you know, for us, the, the whole question around having a label versus just having a really um, cooperative kind of distributor that we can use is, you know, it makes it a bit easier for us and it's sort of less onerous almost to, to keep rolling with that that mechanism to, to release our music. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, like a, f- a fascinating concept. I mean, it sounds like they go a bit beyond uh, what a normal distributor would do. But on the same same hand, I mean, the point for them would be to sell albums and uh, to have the you know singles played everywhere and have it played everywhere. So it benefits them, too, to do that kind of PR. But that's cool that, that they can help open doors. That was going to be my next question is kind of like, working with a distributor in this way and self-releasing, of course, you have to handle a lot of the PR yourself um, and organizing marketing and stuff like that. But I guess they, it sounds like they're sort of helping you open doors and get it out to the right people. That's it. I mean, we've, we've had the help of um, a guy uh, in Australia that does a lot of metal PR now um, for a lot of big bands and he helped with this single um, and he's done a really good job. And um, it's actually, yeah, it's actually kind of got, got the single off and launched in the, in the way that we wanted. And, mm. you know, it, it's, it's not a huge big deal when it's just a single for in the scheme of, you know, our, you know, bands are dropping albums every week now and you kind of got to compete with all that noise as well. But when you've got, when you, when you're able to cut through with, you know, something that's just, just a single and it's come out, um, you know, f- first time in a long time. then I think, you know, you can, it's often it's easy to underestimate how hard that is to, to cut through when you when that's all you've kind of got to release yeah absolutely and is does firestarter do the physical distribution of your stuff or just digital or do you share that role somehow um no they're, they're doing everything for us now yeah. um in in australia we don't we don't have an official overseas distributor or a label or anything like that yeah, but they do. They do obviously have connections to be able to sell internationally. Um, we obviously do a lot of online sales now, anyway. But um, yeah, so they they look after all of our Australian physical and digital sales as well. Yeah, I, I guess they they're gonna um, uh, give a batch of uh, CDs to just for kicks, for example, for Germany. The the to go to um, Prague mail order here in Germany. So. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's and like laser what I would CD in, what in I would, would expect. Yeah, laser, yeah, laser CD for the US. Yeah, and we we've got we've we've got people we're gonna sort of I guess hook up with in terms of just broadening the music into into Europe and UK. It's obviously like that's the main kind of other market for us. So that's kind of where we want to really push push the music outside mm-hmm. of Australia. So in terms of pushing it outside of Australia, do you have already in the works plans for how you want to tour this album once it's out? Uh, probably not quite yet. Not I yet. think um, we do we do still want to do a lot more in Australia in terms of just because, you know, when you haven't uh, sort of released anything in kind of three plus years, you you do need to do a bit of groundwork to make it make up for that. So 
Um, we've got a new, um, we just signed on with a new booking agent, um, which is actually the same agent that um, our good mates in Voyager use. And, you know, they also um, look after a whole bunch of really cool bands um, and they're based in WA. So we're going to do a lot of work with them to kind of just, yeah, reestablish ourselves. And then, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll talk about the whole album release and what that looks like in terms of a full sort of plan going forward, which, you know, would involve, where we where we want to tour internationally and you know it's a bit of a no-brainer that we obviously want to come back to europe and also do the uk um we haven't really done a uk run properly before we've played a show um over there but um it was it was only a one-off so it'd be good to actually kind of have something a little bit more yeah, long-term more strategic and a yeah. bit more planning um and also trying like for maybe the asian market as well i like just you know it's just north of us mm. so just being able to kind of have a good crack at it when we do when we do get to it so let me ask you a two-part question and i think half of it is what what we wanted to talk about together anyway um you you mentioned like um working with with beardfoot uh, bookings is the the new booker i think you're talking about um in and kind of reestablishing yourself in australia because Prague is sort of international uh, to a great degree, how important is it for you to build the sort of local Australian community before like pushing further out into the the, the larger world of Prague? Um, how much of the work that you do in Australia to build your your brand and your band affects how you how you do outside? Um, I think sort of getting a good good go in Australia is pretty pretty key. I mean, in terms of just getting the following and sort of the gigs under your belt and stuff that's local or stuff that's accessible to us sort of every sort of few months is that's what <coughs> sort of focuses in Australia and it's try, trying to build away for, or trying to move away from kind of just taking a support gig but trying to really push like headline shows for ourselves and just trying to build up the build up the band again in that sort of fashion, like coming into the new record. And then you've got a really nice foothold to kind of step into another area. So whether to push into the, into Europe again and stuff like that, you've kind of got that sort of uh, like gigging, gigging background again from that record. And you've got sort of that following locally and you've got kind of a bit more drive when you do sort of go and push towards something else. So mm. whether it be like a US thing or whether it be in Asia or, or, the, um, or Europe, they're all going to, it's going to help no matter what. I think um, mm. just having that sort of that sort of push and that sort of following is is, is always um, yeah always super helpful. Um, if you if you know one here, you know one there probably. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. The second part of the question, I think we both wanted to talk about this was like Australia in general. Um, being an observant and a part of the international pro community for for quite some years, I had the impression that. Um, for some points in 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 history, I say, or, or at some points, there's there seems to be um, a hotspot of Prague growing in different countries. I mean, with this, with at the beginning of the millennium, I think, or yeah, in some way mid mid noughties, uh, with the start of Riverside growing, there was uh, there was this the, uh, this Polish Prague scene. Um, um, suddenly bringing a lot of prog bands, really good prog bands out of Poland. And the last years I had the impression that 
the Australian prog scene is uh, really brimming with with talent and a lot of amazing bands. Um, with with like the, the Perth chapter with you guys and Voyager, and then um, obviously from from the other side of the country, Caligula's Horse, and before that it was Arcane, and and a whole lot of, a whole lot of <coughs> really quality prog bands that seem to uh, grow in that Australian prog um, scene. Yeah. Uh, it so kind how, of carries a brand in itself in a way. Yeah. So how, how's your yeah. take on the Australian prog scene as such? <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because I think um, we get like, it used to, it used to not be the case that prog was associated with like Australian metal exports. It was like, um, it was stuff. probably a yeah, heavier stuff like Sacroptic and, um even before that you know yeah just no, nothing that was really you could say you, you know australia has a prog brand but um it's interesting that when when you think of uh, prog bands that are doing well in australia now it's actually very closely linked to the change i guess it's, it's a slight change in like what's really popular in heavy music at the moment is like that bordering kind of almost that sort of like new, I don't want to say gent, but like that mm. kind of young, very young sounding metal band type approach. Um, Parkway Drive. And yeah. like there yeah, that follow Parkway Drive style, like North Lane and, um, you know, there's a whole label that's dedicated to that kind of collection of bands now in Australia. So, and I think a lot of the references that, that kind of make those bands have that signature sound. Some of those references are actually, they actually are quite inherent in some of the Australian prog bands. Um, you know, Circles, Voyager, Caligula's Horse, Ourselves. Um, there's, a, there is a bit of a common, you know, sort of sound in those bands. Um, some do it more than others. You know, Circles probably a little bit closer to that um, end of the yeah. spectrum. Um, so I think, yeah, it's interesting to see how the change, the change in style in other metal genres in Australia has actually affected how prog bands can market themselves and to, to even to a great extent how they actually write music because I think it, it's, yeah, it's, there's, there's actually a whole redefined sort of sound that's happened. Um, and, yeah, we, we, we've always sort of sat slightly outside of, well, kind of what, what I guess, you know, Caligula's and all those kind of bands are doing. I, we don't probably go um, down the same stylistic path that they do. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you could, you, could put, you could put us in that same group. So it is interesting. There's a lot of variation as well. Um, so hopefully that, that sound is something that, you know, other countries really like to hear. And it, it seems to be kind of well-received when they come over um, and there is a lot of appetite for it. Um, because it is very good, you know. There's there's a lot of similar bands over in Europe and UK that are like that as well. So, yeah. There's just like generally a lot of like live music again. Um, there's a lot of musicians around again. Um, like sort of a festival scene back up again in the heavier fashion. So we used to have big uh, sound wave and a few of those um, sort of big festivals that ran all through the. What, for many, mm. many years and sort of died and fizzled out in the 2000s-ish. Um, and that's really sort of picked back up now with those sort of like download festivals and unified gatherings and all those sort of things. So like that sort of heavier music and 
sort of stuff's coming back in in a sort of a bigger mm. a bigger way, and that gives us that sort of option for you know them to diversify on their lineups by having prog bands and and sort of not just a heavy band. Yeah. it's just it can go to anyone who who sort of plays music that's similar or, or close to it. So yeah. I think it's, it's there's a good movement, um, especially over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the festival thing, I did want to ask you about the uh, Don't Kill Live Music. Uh, because we, we've been hearing a lot about that over here, uh, the whole, um, there was an issue, right? Wasn't it that your government wanted to impose stricter rules on festivals? Yeah. Can in you the, give over, us some context? Yeah, so that was over in the East Coast. Yep. Um, and from what I understand, yeah, they, they wanted to basically cramp, like, um, yeah, crunch down on festival music because they just didn't, they, they basically only saw the negatives on and they sort of, I guess what they were doing is lumping all music festivals into the same category and, you know, you get a lot of drug problems, you get a lot of like, you know, violence and stuff from certain types of festivals, but you certainly hardly ever get from a metal festival. Um, and I guess, yeah, that, that was that was the issue for a whole lot of people is, yeah. is the fact that, you know, um, music festivals for, for bands like us and for others, and heavy bands, it's just such a big part of what you strive to do and strive to be a part of, you know, as, as you guys know in Europe, you know, that's that culture of having a festival each year that you know you're going to go to and it's such a big deal for so many people. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what the latest is on that, actually. They drop, drop that for, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's lots of, like, uh, rallies and things like that. Yeah. And I think that, that was all the back there, the sort of, trying to sort of enforce like lockout laws and everything. Like it was a, quite a long sort of chain of events that sort of led all the way up to those sorts of things, like the bigger scale sort of would have like, you know, not have festivals and mm. stuff like that. It's probably stemmed from a lot of other reasons <clears throat> that sort, of, sort yeah. of grew up into that. But, yeah, I mean, having lockout laws where things, yeah, close early and you, you know, you kind of, you can, you can only have like three bands on instead of five yeah. bands. Like just they all, they all join together and, and sort of, put sort of negative sort of yeah just yeah I don't know. and sydney's Annoying having things. massive issues with the uh, with those laws and yeah. you know it's closing venues and stuff because it means that people are you know aren't going there because the bands aren't going there so they're losing business and they have to close venues so it's like mm. yeah it's a bit of a shame yeah damn but we move on yeah i have one more question in the touring thing um I, I think it's like an obvious answer, but how difficult is it for an Australian band to go abroad and tour to get out of uh, out of the country and, and the continent and <laughs> go further? It's a swim. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. hard because uh, it's not a question of, um, you know, why don't you know, you should do it like and bands every band realizes they should be doing it. It's just a case of trying to line everything up and not just financially just it's like a timing thing as well you know you're putting so much money and time into preparing to do it that you have to make sure that when you do it it's for the right reasons and we've had experiences where we've been over there and you know we've been playing shows that it hasn't worked out as well but that's all part of learning how to do it and um and then you play the one or two shows that make it really kind of fun and worthwhile prog power obviously yeah. um, <laughs> um but you know, yeah, I think I think it's something that every band, at some point in their time, should do just so that they can have 
the knowledge of what it actually is as opposed to what you might think it is when you're starting out as a band because it's so very different and the realities of like how hard it is to you know just deal with things like where we're going to get gear from and you know how do we hire ants because we can't take all that stuff on the plane and um what are the you know what are some other bands we can play with and you know there's just a huge number of questions that you need to figure out um that you can only do by just sort of doing it the hard way and going over there and trying it so yeah it's it's um it's difficult but it's something that's just so much fun at the end of the day like it doesn't yeah as long as you've got a bit of cash and you can do it yourselves um yeah it's pretty pretty fun um, you you had the chance to play with a lot of you know big names in Australia, and I just wonder from an outside perspective, is that does that sometimes make it easier for for bands in Australia or harder? Like is is the is the scene there really dense with bands, and only a few kind of pop above the surface? Or um, you do you do you do definitely get. Um, similar bands doing those kind of shows um i wouldn't say there's like a heap of a heap of bands in our scene that really crowd the space there's a lot of heavy bands obviously but they are they are quite segmented um and so i guess when we have prog bands and stuff that come to australia or, or heavy prog bands that come to australia like there is a good opportunity, you know, that, uh, you know, the, 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 the kind of the six or seven bands that are in our kind of circle that we know of and we're friends with that they do have a good opportunity mm -hmm. to play and um, you do get to know them as well. So I think um, it probably makes it, e it probably makes it a little easier that we have all those cool tours that are coming now because mm -hmm. for a while we actually weren't getting that many at all. Now we seem to be getting like a ton. So it's a couple of months. Yeah. yeah there's always something coming yeah. through, yeah. whether um, it be, heavy enough for your genre or proggy enough for what yeah. we're doing. Um, but sometimes, I mean, you're at the mercy of like the booking agent as well or their booker. <laughs> they might like a band or they might have a relationship with a band that will get three or four in a row at the same of those sort of um, those gigs mm. because that's the bands that are coming through and they know them. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty, you'd say it's pretty fair across the, across the sort of tiers, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, overall, anyway. But there's, yeah. you know, I think we're, I think we're really getting to a point now where we're sort of being realistic about there's really only so much you can do with a support gig. Um, it's now sort of a about kind of yeah, making making your own statement, and even if you're playing to 50 people, you know, it, it does send a different message when you're able to kind of consistently play your own shows and that's yeah that's something that we mm -hmm. kind of focus on as well like not not sort of relying too much on just doing support shows all the time um as easy as that can be when you're getting the offers um <laughs> so yeah we're trying we're trying to sort of um make sure where we're kind of putting ourselves out there with with the right kind of um i guess message as well would you say that that's kind of more the strategy that you're going for together with Beardfoot bookings is to focus more on your own headlining shows versus support slots on tours? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we'll still, we'll still no doubt, um, wouldn't pass up a good, a good show. But yeah, I think the the whole idea with kind of changing things up with the booking agents and, um, you know, it's 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 something that we we've been trying to do well before that as well. But I think um, Josh has been really really good in sort of just reminding us that you know that's that's probably something not to be forgotten is the the power of actually your own show and you're building your own um 
story, if you like, around around your fans and giving them giving them your show, not not someone else's. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of the whole point of being in a band. Yeah. There's only so much you can do with half an hour set. Yeah. You know, when you're opening, <laughs> you can tell a story with probably an hour. So it's good. I mean, this is a kind of an interesting topic, actually, because I would say a lot of uh, young bands scramble to get, you know, those coveted support mm-hmm. slots and, um, you know, many pay to play even to like get on tours yeah. and stuff. Um, do you think it's now m- more possible with the web and with self-promotion and marketing to kind of create your own brand and not have to rely so much? Or do you feel that... Um, maybe this can hurt you more in the long run if you'd focus more on supporting bigger bands, hoping to become big versus f- focusing on your own fans and growing? I think it's a roll of the dice, to be honest, because I think some some bands, it works perfectly for them to get a foot in the door for something much bigger. Um, but I think you probably, as a maybe as a younger band, it can be really helpful to play a lot of those type of gigs where you're putting yourselves in front of audiences that wouldn't or normally come and see you. And that's really the whole point of a support show is that you're playing to people that there's no way that you'd be playing to um, if, 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 you, if it was your show. And that's understandable if you're a small band. But I think if you get down your career a little bit more and, you know, you've been doing it for nine, ten years, you probably don't want to be relying on that because, you know, you don't want to be known as, as the band that just supports supports everything and doesn't really do anything themselves. So it's just, it's just, I think it's just balancing um, those kind of opportunities with doing, you know, writing your own kind of um, narrative in a way. And that's kind of what we, what we try and want to do is, is just make that, get that balance right. So it's time for the chaos divine festival tour. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. We'll be there. Uh, it happen. <laughs> Be the biggest that's, name on the that's, that's five. So there's five shirts that are going to sell, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Five beer tokens as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, guys, I think uh, think that's all of our questions. And I know it's getting late on that side of the world. All right. Thanks so much for taking the time and talking to all us. Right. We're really looking forward to the new album. Sounds like it'll be a little bit of a wait, but keep plugging in those cool singles. And we can't wait to hear them. Okay. Cool. All right, Thanks, fellas. Guys. Thank you, guys. Cool. Take care. Great evening. See, See you. See ya. The Freaks Progcast, presented by the Prague Space, is a production of Stuus Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. The show is produced by Janine Stangel, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, Dario Albrecht, and myself, Randy M. Salo. Our theme music is provided by This Is Not an Elephant. Thanks for tuning in, freaks. See you next time. Freaks out.